0: I'll use this. Now, so if I just, I'm going to just, it says connect to a PC, currently selected projector. So I just, if I just hit connect, it went to sleep. Just like me. That's what I'm talking about. All right. First of all, I want to express my appreciation to Terry King who ministered last week. It's a blessing to get to know Terry. There's you can't get to know Terry in the 30 minutes that you spent with him. But uh I think God just uses him around the world to bless pastors and congregations in places that you've never been, mostly places you don't, never want to go. Uh, he's got tons of testimonies, and I, and I appreciate, and he, he gave us a, a great word last week out of Revelation chapter 3. Um, but you know how it is. Well, maybe you don't. If you're not a pastor, you don't know. When you are listening to somebody else preach, and it makes you think of something, right? that um, you could add on that would make it like even better, right? But it's like he's up there and he's preaching and you just can't raise your hand and say, oh, wait, let me add... I have a thought. Let me add that to your sermon. <laughs> and it would... Uh, so, so, he did a great job. Anyhow, he didn't, he didn't need my comment, but I've been thinking about it all week. <laughs> so... This isn't really, this is really just like uh, an appendix on the end of Terry's sermon. Um, God God just had me thinking about it. uh, His sermon last week, do you remember what it was? All that glitters is not gold. gold. Uh, And he was coming out, the, the, the message to the church at Laodicea. Which I'm just pull this one piece of it. Now you, don't, you have to understand the church at Laodicea. Uh, I mean, it was it was a body of believers in a city in Turkey called Laodicea, and uh, it was extremely wealthy city. Uh, it was an industrial city. Uh, there were lots of rich people there. Um, they, I could, I could. There's a lot of background we could go into. But the point is, um, Laodicea and Haiti had very little in common. There was a church there. It was a prosperous church full of prosperous people. And um, so, the, the Spirit of God speaks to them in verse 17 here and says, Because you say, I am rich, and I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing, and you do not even know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise you to buy a different kind of gold. You have plenty of gold, rah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But I advise you to buy a different kind of gold from me, refined by fire, so that you become, can become truly Rich. So I want you to turn around to your neighbor and say, uh, You are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, so see, that, that's, that is, that's a great icebreaker, right? A great way to get a conversation started. He uh, says, so you think you're something, but you're not. Um, you're actually wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And so I'm going to give you a piece of advice. I want you to get gold from me that's refined by fire. This is a, uh, in the Old and New Testament, this is a very powerful image of uh, being refined by fire. Um... So, somebody tell me what this is a picture of. Gold ore. <laughs> gold. Gold ore. So, and somebody tell me what gold ore is. Unrefined. Unrefined. Mineral. unrefined. It's a mineral. That's right. It's unrefined. And so, what does it mean that it's unrefined? Why? It has it, by fire. It has made Impurities. Lots of... The, it hasn't gone through the purification process yet. Uh, it hadn't been burned by fire. <laughs> um, what, what gold ore really is, it's um, bits of gold mixed up with a bunch of dirt. Different other types of minerals and different other kind of stuff from the earth. But it's mostly, there's some gold in there, but what you got is a lot of dirt. <laughs> hmm? No, it's real gold. Uh, But in this case, and you can't really see, you know, I can't tell you for sure, but my hunch is there is that there is way more dirt here than gold. And and like the, the only thing this, in this present state, the only thing that this rock is good for is holding down papers on your desk are whacking burglars on the head with. That's it. Um, it, This, there's gold in there, but it's useless. So, um, so there's this process that you have to go through to get the gold out. And it looks... The process looks something like this. So there's a cauldron, and this is just uh, coal that's that's heating up the cauldron. And in the middle, they take those pieces of gold ore, those rocks (laughs) full of dirt, and they just fill that cauldron up to the top. And then they turn. Then they put this heat on. My friend Beth Alvis years ago uh, visited some, a little Mexican, a little town in Mexico that had a, a little gold refinery associated with it, and she saw this process going on. I'm sure it's much more sophisticated now. And you've, you've heard me tell this story. Some of you have heard me tell the story lots of times. But for those of you who haven't, I'm just going to tell it again. Uh, and this is what, what works is they, they jam that cauldron as full as they possibly can with gold ore. Then they turn up the heat, however many degrees you turn it up. I don't know how pretty hot. And so the rocks start to melt. And when the rocks start to melt, somebody tell me what happens. The gold sinks to the bottom because it's one of the heaviest elements in the world. It sinks to the bottom and all of the dirt floats up to the top. And so you let it... I mean, it's boiling essentially... It's completely liquefied. (coughs) And they... So they let it cook that way for a while. And then they turn the fire off and it starts to cool down. And after it gets completely cold and it solidifies, you have gold on the bottom, you have dirt on the top. So they get a scraper... And they start just scraping dirt, scraping dirt off the top until they've got most of the dirt that they can see the sediment scraped off. Then they get like a big cheesecloth, and then they rub it and rub it and rub it and rub it and rub it it until they, they can't see any more dirt on the surface. Then they turn the fire back on. And they melt it again. And stuff floats up to the top again. And they cool it down again. And then they scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape. scrape. Then they rub rub and rub and rub and rub and rub. So they can't see any more impurities. Then they light the fire again. And they go through that process. However, I mean, a lot of times, maybe seven times, I don't even know. My, my friend Beth did say, finally, she asked the, her tour guide, how do they know how do they know when the gold has been purified? And the tour guide said, when the, the master who's in charge of purifying, when he takes that cheesecloth and rubs it that final time and can see a perfect reflection of his face in the surface of the gold then they know it's done. The perfect reflection of the master's face in what's left. Then you know the refining process is over with. So how many of you have ever held in your hand uh, a bar of pure gold? So what does it look like? Shiny, gold, and heavy. But here, so I found this cool picture. Now you see how shiny that is. Now you you want you, what? Let me see. Yeah. So so this is it's 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 on. It's laying on this piece of paper here with this. But watch this up here. A perfect reflection of the surface of this piece of paper. That's ninety nine 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 point nine percent pure gold. It's it's shiny and gives a perfect like a mirror image reflection. And all uh, and so, so what makes let's see where am I here in my notes? Um, I don't know, what's the spot price of gold? Uh, $1,300 an ounce right now? I'm just guessing. Um, but this is more than an ounce, right? Okay, so here's the question what, What's the difference between before and after? All the dirt is gone. All the dirt is gone. So, so Jesus said to them, You do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. But he's not criticizing. He's not condemning. This is a diagnosis. He's saying, Look, I, th- I know that you think you've got it all together, but but you don't. You, I know you think you've figured me out, but you haven't. I know you think you're on the right path, but you're not, and and you you think that um, that your view of the world um, it, it is my plan for you, and it isn't. I'm just telling you that that you're missing it. He's not he's not saying this to shame them. He's not saying this. He's not pointing fingers and saying and saying look. You are the most wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked person I've ever seen and I can hardly stand the sight of you. He's just saying, look, you're sick. You've been playing in the dirt your entire life. It's a diagnosis from the Holy Spirit because we can't even see or understand now how needy we are so we need a dirdectomy <laughs> when uh, when when Jesus is saying to the people at Laodicea or any time this issue comes up in the new testament uh, buy gold for me that's refined by fire The first thing that John the Baptist said when Jesus comes walking up, he says, uh, John the Baptist said, look, behold, here comes the Lamb of God who is going to take away the sin of the world, and I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Uh, I've just been baptizing you with water, but in days to come, he will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and with fire. And we think, woo, we're going to get fire, (laughs) take that sinners <laughs> take that devil <clears throat> uh, no through the power of the Holy Spirit takes us you will baptize us with the Holy Spirit, Spirit and a baptism of fire <clears throat> to enter into a, a more dirtless state we all need a dirt dirtectomy <clears throat> and it can be a slow painful process we have to be willing to love him more than we love our dirt and that's what it just comes down to this is um, <clears throat> we we We're pretty comfortable with our dirt. Um, And you can do a lot of things with dirt. You can make mud pies. You can plant little gardens of stuff. And you can even produce some fruit with dirt. Uh, But only Jesus knows Who we can really be, what we can really achieve, and what our destiny is once we are separated from our dirt. And here's the thing. Jesus doesn't... It's not just a matter of of giving us a bar of soap and saying, okay, go wash yourself off and... uh, then you'll be clean. This kind of dirt is embedded into our souls. It's embedded into our identities. Uh, It's all the thoughts and attitudes and behaviors and everything about our past and all of our mistakes and all of our successes and all the stuff that we that we've lived through that has been defining us which just doesn't happen to look like Jesus it doesn't wipe off That's right. and it doesn't wipe off it's, it's here's the thing you, there's only you know the bible talks Jesus says in several places uh that that uh how, how important it is To die to yourself, and you've heard me mention this from time to time. Uh, He's right about that. How important it is for us to uh, to die to ourselves. The point is that you can't die to yourself. It's it's a physical. It's it's a it's a physical metaphysical impossibility to die to yourself, because the act of dying to yourself is. An assertion of the self, right? Self gets up and says, you know what? I'm going to die to myself today. Really? Really? Um, So you can't... It's like saying I'm going to teach myself to fly by throwing myself at the ground and trying to miss. Uh, There's only one way you can die to yourself and then, and i know this to be true that's to allow circumstances to come into your life that have the potential of killing you and killing your hopes and killing your dreams and killing your plans and killing your understanding about the way you thought things were supposed to be instead of railing and spitting and kicking and screaming and saying no no, I won't allow that. That's wrong. I'm not going to accept that. <laughs> it's to do what Jesus did in the garden when he said, Father, I... Suddenly, this doesn't look like a very good plan. Even now, I know, I know we could do a different plan, but okay. Okay. I trust you I want your will to be done not mine even though at this point your will looks creepy um, and scary I still want your will to be done instead of mine so you allow going through the fire means staying in the cauldron until the master says there I am When I look at you, I see me. And it also means staying in the tomb. Sometimes we we go through darkness and difficulty, and we go into the tomb, and the stone slams behind us. And then we get tired of being in the tomb, and we're trying to just shove our way out of it. If you end up in the tomb, you have to stay there till the father comes and gets you um, and there's some t- sometimes when that's dark and scary if you and if it's if it's in those moments when you're in the cauldron or you're in the tomb when everything that you've been trusting and hoping for and believing in that that would give you security and hope it's just melted away it just it 's separated from you, so all all you have is Jesus. You can like Terry was talking about last week, turn your eyes upon Jesus because there 's nothing else to look at just turn your eyes upon jesus <clears throat> we we don't like the, we don 't like being in the tomb. We don't like going through the fire. That's because we don't realize just how blind and poor and wretched and naked we are. And and God's not like, ooh, I hate you. You're just, I mean, you're just the nastiest thing. But But he's like, I want to pull you out of this condition. I want to take you out of this condition, and I want to bring you into the perfect image of my Son. Paul says in Galatians, "Oh, Galatians, you're driving me crazy! I have to start all over again until Christ is formed in you. I'm just, you're just driving me nuts." Uh, but that's the whole point. If you were gonna, if you were gonna t- to get a block of marble and and create a sculpture of Jesus? How would you do it? You get you get a hammer and a chisel, and you take away anything in that block of stone that doesn't look like Jesus. You know? It's pretty easy. It's a lot of work. Take away anything that doesn't look like Jesus. So... We think that when we're going through fiery trials or when we're in a tomb or when we are suffering or struggling that it's either our fault we did something wrong and we're getting judged or it's some kind of attack from the devil uh, that we need to resist and fight it. But I'm just here to tell you you know when Daniel, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego, got thrown into the fiery furnace? Uh, who else was in there with them? Jesus, the angel of the Lord, was in there too. This wasn't an attack of the enemy. This a part of God's plan. And, and Jesus was right there with them. Some, because there is a need... For us to be separated from the dirt. And we've gotten comfortable with it and we love it. And by dirt, I'm just simply saying anything that's not Jesus. Anything that, is no, that doesn't originate from him. Anything that doesn't give him glory. Um, I'm not trying to say that you're dirty. I'm just trying to say that there are impurities there. And over time, Jesus is committed to taking through taking you through walking with you through this process so that over time people look at you and they see Jesus and when you Get alone with yourself in your prayer room. You don't see your dirt anymore. You see Jesus too. Until you've been through the fire. You're still going to see dirt. And you're still going to make excuses for the dirt. And you're going to still... Uh, a, a compromise with the dirt and you're going to uh, uh, once you've been through and you think you think you've been through and then the fire comes again and then I can't tell you how long it lasts it kind of keeps going I think but every time there's less dirt and more Jesus and more peace and less fear more hope and less despair More comfort and less torment, and more power, and more of His glory, and less of you. So let's pray. Like I said you can't put yourself through the fire. All you can do is embrace it when it comes and know that Jesus is with you in the middle and that when you come out on the other side there will be more of you there will be more of Jesus shining from you and less dirt. It's It's hard, but there's a purpose for it. So, Lord, right now, we are not going to be crazy enough to say, Lord, send the fire. But I pray, Lord, that in your time, when the fires come, for your purpose, for your glory, Lord, give us grace to trust you and let you clean us up. We just want people to see Jesus, Lord, and we want to see Jesus too. We ask it in your name. Amen.